At the time of this recording, I have less than four weeks till my first marathon. That is crazy to say because I have been training for this marathon for what feels like forever. And I am a little nervous, mostly because it's a new distance. Anything that's new can feel very exciting. I'm super excited to experience it. Richmond is named the friendliest marathon for a reason. So I've run the halves multiple times. It was really fun, a lot of energy. But again, like still have that nervousness just because it's a new distance. It's something I've never done. And with that, you just never know what's going to happen. Even though this is my first marathon, I've learned a ton and want to share five lessons that I've learned the hard way and talk with you more about my training. I have been training since May, June. I don't even remember because I built my aerobic base before I started training. And that leads us into lesson one, building your aerobic base before training Now, I did this the right way this time. I did not do this the right way for my halves. I kind of just jumped into a 12-week training plan. And this time around, I built my aerobic base for maybe four weeks at a higher mileage than what I would normally run at for an off-season weekly mileage. Now, this might be why I feel like training has taken so long because it's an 18-week training plan, add on four to six weeks of aerobic base training, and I've pretty much been training since May, I would say. So the only thing I would have done differently with this training plan, I would have kept the 18-week training plan. I think that was a good amount of time just to mentally prepare for this marathon, but also physically prepare. I'm ready for this marathon. I'm ready. I hate to say get it over with, but the anticipation of building up to this marathon has been for so many months that I'm like, I'm just ready for it to be here and I'm ready to just experience it, which is a good thing. That means that I've prepared pretty well. I have my 20 mile run coming up this Saturday. So that's like the last hoorah run before tapering. Super exciting. And the only thing, if I were to train for a marathon next year, now obviously I'm doing a beginner training plan because it's my first one, but if I were to train for one next year, then I would increase my long run mileage while I built up my aerobic base training. So I have four weeks of building that aerobic base at a little bit higher of a mileage than I have normally been running. And I pretty much ran six or seven miles as my long run. And then I started my training plan and I would increase that mileage like six, seven, eight, and then I would drop it down. So have a fallback week the week before my training plan started instead of just going into it. I think that would have helped and it would allowed me to just start the training plan on fresh legs. Now there's always room for improvement when you're doing something for the first time, but it's just something I would note is yes, great idea to build your aerobic base before training. So you don't want to go zero to a hundred with any sort of training plan. So I think that was a good idea. I basically did the same weekly mileage during that aerobic base training each week as my first couple weeks into the training plan. So that was a very smooth transition. I didn't feel like, oh my gosh, now I'm starting training. It was just very, very similar to me, which I liked, but I definitely would have done a fallback week right before starting that training plan. The next thing I would have done different is to try different fuel early on. Now I do have a little less than four weeks till the race, so I haven't even hit taper yet. So I really do have a good amount of time, but 
I thought I had my fuel plan down from the beginning. I basically used the Yukan Edge and I would alternate it with Honey Stinger. Now, my fueling has improved over the past couple weeks because, especially after like the 12 mile long run, I started to feel very hungry, like hangry actually, at the end of my runs. And I think it's because I've always had this like weird mindset around fuel. I don't know if you can relate to this, but fueling has been something that I've had to like force myself to do, not because I don't like what I'm eating or taking, but I feel like sometimes it's like, well, I'm not an elite runner, so why do I have to take fuel? Or I'm running at a really easy pace. I will be okay for the last three miles. That was pretty much my mindset over, I would say, middle of training once I started getting into a little bit higher mileage was, oh, I only have, you know, 30 minutes left of this run, or I only have three miles, two miles left. I don't need to take another fuel because I'm almost done. And I would finish the last mile on fumes, basically. I would be on E. My body was on E. My stomach has no problem making the loudest noises ever when I was breathing. So clearly I was hungry. I'd always come home so hungry. And I think that's something that I have improved on over, I would say the past month and a half is consistently taking fuel every 30 minutes, even if that means I have 10 minutes left of my run, because that way your body is able to finish strong. You're going to take fuel all the way on that regular schedule during the race. So you need to practice that way too. And I'm saying like I'm speaking this to myself and I had a little talk with myself about it, but that definitely helped. But the other thing is when I was alternating Yukon and Honey Stinger literally last week, so five weeks out from the race, I ran 10 miles. I didn't take my hydration water bottle, handheld water bottle, and I took one Honey Stinger. So I didn't even bring enough fuel for this run. And I was, I had to stop running, walk and eat my Honey Stinger waffle because I didn't have any water to wash it down. And I was thinking, you know, I'm not taking my handheld water bottle during this race. I'm just going to use the cups that they hand out. I'm going to use all the noon that they hand out. And I was thinking like, this is the most inconvenient thing to eat when I'm picking up my pace. Now during like a easy, easy run, you have your handheld water bottle with you. It doesn't feel as bad, but when there's no handheld, you're running at a little bit faster of a pace. I just remember thinking this is not ideal. And if it's not ideal, then I want to see if there's alternatives because during race day, I want to make it as smooth as possible. I already know that marathon is going to be difficult. It's a marathon. It's new distance. So it's going to be difficult either mentally or physically or both. So I want to make all these other factors that I can control as easy and simple as possible. So I wish I would have tried different fuel early on. Now I love my Ucan gels. I use them. I'm not changing that up, but I am trying different alternatives to the Honey Singer waffle. I already ordered the chews, but again, I'm thinking, you know, what if I don't like chewing and breathing and having to swallow these things? So I also got the Martin gels with the caffeine in them. And that's another thing I've been told by a lot of runners, try something with caffeine. And my thing looking back on it is I thought my fuel strategy was great. I'd alternate Yukon and Honey Stinger basically every 30 minutes. It was great, especially when I stuck to that schedule. But I won't know if something 
works better for me unless I compare it to what I already knew. And at that point, I didn't have anything to compare it to. I really just had that you can works for me and the waffle works for me. So I do wish that I tried different fuel early on, even if I just got like a sample pack and just tried it just to see how the caffeine felt, how using other gels felt versus the waffle. So luckily I still have, you know, a solid week of training. So I will be trying the Honey Singer Chews today during my 10 miler and then the Martin with the caffeine during my 20 miler just to see how everything feels because again, my stomach is sensitive. So I will pretty much know right away or while I'm running if I think it's going to work best for me. Number three is to adjust quickly if you feel like you've hit burnout. Let's face it, marathon training is a long road to the finish line. Uh, It's not just during race day. I mean, you, if you're running a race this fall, you've been training for months and months and months, and it can feel like a full-time job, if not more, because of the amount that you have to eat and the amount that you have to sleep. So I first started getting symptoms of burnout while I was on vacation, and I've had symptoms of burnout in my business before, especially when I worked full-time and was running my business full-time and it was literally all I did. So I've had symptoms of burnout before, so I picked up on them fairly quickly. So when it comes to running burnout, it's a little different. And while I was on vacation, it was a hiking trip, so it wasn't just like a relaxation vacation. It was hiking like 50, 60 miles in a week. And I wanted to, I got my long run in there and I wanted to get another run in. But the thing was, I wanted to run on vacation. Like I wanted, I was excited to run. I was like, all right, I have 16 miles today. I have three miles today or four miles. But when I was running, I immediately wanted to stop. I remember telling my mom, I know I said we were running four, but we're running three. I said, I can't breathe and this isn't fun. And the breathing had to do more with like the altitude change. It was a very big difference. I think it was like, I'm normally at 200 feet of elevation And this was like 8,500. So obviously the breathing had a lot to do with it. But I just remember being like, I don't want to do this. So I'm not going to do it. And very like, I'm done with it. I'd rather be hiking. I'd rather be doing literally anything else. So after that trip, when I got home, I remember being tired, obviously, like the time change and the amount of miles that we were hiking. But in my head, the following week, I was mentally freaking out about like having to make up any miles, even though we hiked a ton. So I still worked on it, my endurance, even though I wasn't physically running and my heart rate was still in zone two hiking, especially at the inclines, even though I wasn't physically running. And eventually my headspace went back to normal, but last week and a little into the week before that was the first week of me feeling very blah towards running and feeling very like, when is this gonna end sort of situation? But the thing is, I think that before, I was thinking that before my runs, but when I was actually in it, I was completely fine. Like I was like, this feels normal. It feels like a normal run. Like I'm enjoying it. And then after the run, I was fine. But I think a lot of it just has to do with just being exhausted towards the end of a training plan and the training block. And my motivation just feels low for doing a lot of things too. So it took me a little bit of time. It took me a couple of days, but I was like, all right, I need to adjust. I need to adjust to what I'm feeling or else I'm not going to be as strong going into this race. 
So the first thing that I adjusted, I had been running all my runs in the morning. I adjusted them to running them in the afternoon. Now, because I work from home, I have a flexible schedule and I decided that I would use the time basically in the morning to sleep in. So my sleep, now I'm a, I'm a good sleeper. I can fall asleep fast. I can sleep for a long time and I go to bed very early. So me sleeping in is like six o'clock, but I still was able to adjust going from eight hours of sleep to nine slash nine and a half hours of sleep. And I just realized like my body needs this sleep to recover, to repair. I'm in way new mileage, way new weekly mileage. I'm in the highest weekly mileage I've ever been in. So therefore, I'm going to use that time to just sleep in and have no pressure that I have to wake up and get moving, especially since it's not hot here anymore. The sun's coming up a lot later, so I quickly made that adjustment. The other adjustment that I made to avoid this burnout feeling was where I was running. So in my neighborhood, it's not a big neighborhood. Around me, there's like a couple very small neighborhoods off a of main road. So if I'm running around here, I basically have to do a lot of loops and laps around these neighborhoods to get in any sort of mileage. Plus I walk my dog in these neighborhoods. So like I just see the same sights every day, which is fine. But I realized, okay, I'm not running 10 miles around my neighborhood because I'm just going to, my neighbors are going to think I'm crazy. So I decided to switch up the location of where I was running and just go somewhere completely different that I don't normally run in that I could do an out and back or just kind of switch up what I was seeing when I was running and the location of the running. So I think that helped a lot as well. And then the last thing that I switched up was that two out of my four runs that I'm running each week are with someone. So I always have my group runs on Saturday for my long run. That's always with a large group with coaches. So that's really fun. And then Sunday, I've been trying to run with either a friend, my boyfriend, my mom, just somebody. So even if my motivation's low on a Sunday, which usually is for a recovery run, then I can still get it done with someone because to me, running with someone just makes the time go by a lot faster. So that has helped a lot. And that leads into the fourth mistake I made early on that I quickly adjusted to, and that was to not try to do my long runs on my own. So when I first made my training schedule, because I wrote it myself, I read a bunch of books and looked at different training plans and really just wanted to be in it and make my own training plan, because why not? And I had a lot of experience talking to run coaches. So I realized I was capable of making this training plan. And when I made it, you know, I wrote all the long runs down. I wrote my speed workouts, made sure I stuck with 90-10 rule at the beginning of my training, which just meant like 90% of my runs were easy, 10% were pickups, and then moving into an 80-20 rule as my mileage ramped up. And I had the training plan down, you know, I was following it. And my mileage in the beginning wasn't that long just because, you know, it's a beginner training plan. So I was around like eight or nine miles as my long run. And I realized I have to run, eventually run like 16, 18, 20 miles by myself. And that just doesn't sound fun. So 
Luckily, I got in contact with the marathon training team through sports backers that basically runs the Richmond Marathon and got connected with a training group that has a very similar easy pace of mine. They also have different run coaches along the way. It's a huge group that runs together, which is really fun. They also have the training route mapped out and it just tells you in your ear or your headphone, like turn left here. So basically all I have to do is show up with my fuel and run because there's also stations to fill up your noon or your water. I mean, it's like all done for you and it just makes the time go by so much faster. You meet new people. They're obviously running with you so you can talk about running for hours and Again, like I would be very frustrated and bored if I was running by myself during those long runs. So if you're new to a distance, try joining a training plan or a training group. It makes the time just go by way faster. So it's like way more fun. I look forward to these Saturday morning runs together and I'm very thankful for that. The last mistake that I have made, and this has been in the past couple days, is to only be concerned about aches or pains if they last a couple days or if they get worse when you're running. Now, as a physical therapist, I definitely understand that aches and pains pop up, but they can also go away fairly quickly, especially when you're running. I'm sure you've experienced random knee pain that came on and then randomly went away. If that's the case, you really don't have to worry about it. I would really only worry about the aches and pains if it gets worse when you're running or if the ache or pain lasts more than a couple days. So let me back up a little bit because I remember Thursday after my speed workout, I walked my dog like I always do after a run and I couldn't even put weight through my right big toe. I mean, it was so inflamed and didn't hurt at all when I was running. I used same shoes, same everything pretty much and same shoes for walking my dog. And I just remember limping to bed and I was like, why is my big toe so inflamed? Like what is going on here? I woke up the next day. I was perfectly fine. So I was like, all right, like, I don't think it's in my head because you know, you're like, is it in my head? No, because when I would press on my big toe, it would hurt. So going into my rest day, the next day was my rest day. I'm resting most of the day working, sitting in a chair and my Achilles starts tightening up on that right side. Now, again, I'm thinking, okay, please go away tomorrow because I have a long run and I really don't want this to get worse before and during my long run. So I start my run. It feels a little tight. And then by mile one, it's completely gone. So if it were to get worse and turn into pain, yes, I would be concerned. Yes, I would. I wouldn't freak out. You don't need to freak out, but I would start the rehab exercises fast like that day just because of the crunch time that I would have between that run and the race. But the fact that it's just like these random aches and pains they are coming and they're going when they come on. The first thing I know, especially if you're close to a race that you want to do is just totally freak out. And just think, is this just going to get worse? Am I going to be able to run this race? I need to adjust. But all you're doing when you're thinking that way is heightening your nervous system and causing these nerves to become hyperactive. So that can lead to more pain. It can lead to more stress, which can lead to more pain. So what I would do is just take it easy You can keep doing what you're doing as long as the pain doesn't get worse and just see what happens going into that night or the next day. 
if you want to start rehab exercises right when it comes on, you can, but just see what happens because especially if you're into higher mileage, your body's just reacting to the stress. So random things can come on and they can go and it's, it's just like no big deal. You kind of just have to say, okay, well, I'll just keep an eye on it if it comes back. But I would really only worry about it if it gets worse over three to five days or if it gets worse when you're running, especially as you increase mileage or increase your speed. All right, that concludes this episode. I will be having another episode about my race and about tapering in the next couple weeks, so stay tuned. And if you enjoyed this episode, please give it a review below. I'd really appreciate it. And I will talk to you next time. Bye. around these neighborhoods to get in any sort of mileage. Plus I walk my dog in these neighborhoods. So like I, I just see the same sights every day, which is fine. But I realized, okay, I'm not running 10 miles around my neighborhood because I'm just going to, my neighbors are going to think I'm crazy. So I decided to switch up the location of where I was running and just go somewhere completely different that I don't normally run in that I could do an out and back or just kind of switch up what I was seeing when I was running and the location of the running. So I think that helped a lot as well. And then the last thing that I switched up was that two out of my four runs that I'm running each week are with someone. So I always have my group runs on Saturday for my long run. That's always with a large group with coaches. So that's really fun. And then Sunday, I've been trying to run with either a friend, my boyfriend, my mom, just somebody. So even if my motivation's low on a Sunday, which usually is for a recovery run, then I can still get it done with someone because to me, running with someone just makes the time go by a lot faster. So that has helped a lot. And that leads into the fourth mistake I made early on that I quickly adjusted to, and that was to not try to do my long runs on my own. So when I first made my training schedule, cause I wrote it myself, I read a bunch of books and looked at different training plans and really just wanted to be in it and make my own training plan because why not? And I had a lot of experience talking to run coaches. So I feel, I feel like I could have, so I realized I was capable of making this training plan and when I made it, you know, I wrote all the long runs down. I wrote my speed workouts, made sure 